Hello and welcome to the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Austin Myers and my co-host is Sarah Manderscheid, who you will hear from here in a moment. This is a really awesome episode that we have for you today. We had on a special guest, Maddie Marr, who on Instagram goes by Miles with Maddie, and we got to hear all about her journey to running and what that's looked like as she recently has completed her third marathon and at the same time her third PR. And we really rewind the clock a little bit to the time before Maddie started training for marathons and we go through that journey with her of not only racing her first marathon but also beginning her running account which now has many thousands of followers in great part because of how well she communicates the running journey through her posts and her captions and how she brings everyone together through that. She makes running an inclusive thing for everybody who follows her, and that's something that we really appreciate from Maddie. We discuss her most recent race and the training cycle that built up to that race, the factors that she felt like were most influential in setting yet another PR and her first Boston qualifying time. And we look at how her growth as a runner has happened over the past year as she ran her first marathon last October and she just ran her third this October. A lot of growth has happened in just a 12-month span for her as a runner and also on social media. We get into Instagram and discuss what she feels like are the benefits of social media and how she has worked to create a community of runners to bring them together through the power of running that we believe so heavily in. We also discuss potential detriments that are always present with social media and how we cope with those and work through those and really just hone in on who we are as people and the connections that can be built through social media as opposed to playing the comparison game. We really believe you're going to enjoy this episode. It was an amazing discussion for Sarah and I to have. It was an awesome time having Maddie on the podcast. She did a great job, and we look forward to seeing all of the running and all of the great content that she puts out over the next few months and years. So thank you, Maddie, for joining us for today's episode. And for our listeners, we sincerely hope that you enjoy it. And if you do, please share it on social media, spread the word, because we want to share amazing discussions like this with more and more people. So let's get into the episode. Thank you for joining us today. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Manderscheid and I'm here with Austin Myers and we have a special guest with us today. We're really excited to chat with her, Um, but before we disclose who we're chatting with today, um, Austin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, it's It's been a good start to the week, feeling good. 
balls in Texas are weird. I feel like I give a, a weather update every single week on like, is it hot in Texas? Is it cool in Texas? It's only Tuesday and we've had a little bit of both. So I think I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Um, do you have an elevated moment you'd like to share with the audience? I do. I do have an elevated moment. This past week, it was Abby's birthday. It was also our anniversary. It's back-to-back days that we have our anniversary and her birthday. And this is the second year that we've celebrated both of those out of what was our original home state, or I guess our home state of Kentucky. So celebrating her birthday, we kind of get to do it solo, away from our families, um, which is hard at times, but also getting to have that time together is really nice. So we got to enjoy a day off this past Friday and then go out for a really good dinner Friday evening and just get to enjoy a few days together to celebrate both of those. So that is my elevated moment of the week. What about you, Sarah? Oh, that's great. Happy birthday, Abby, and anniversary to you too. Um, You're welcome. My elevated moment is um, the community and the group run that we uh, got to have in Boulder over the weekend. It was my birthday run, which was really fun. Um, It wasn't my actual birthday, but it was close enough. And it was just such a great excuse to bring community and running and running in beautiful in a beautiful place, like all together. And it kind of felt like um, Sarah's favorite things too, like, you know, the Oprah edition, right? Um, Or Oprah's favorite things, Sarah's edition, um, because I was able to coordinate with some, um, with some brands and give out some raffle gifts. And it was a lot of fun. So we had Lululemon, we had Scratch Labs, we had Element, um, and we had uh, coffee later after the run. So it was all great. It was all of my really favorite things. And um, I also got to partner with another lady run coach who lives in Boulder. And it was just really great. Um, You might know her from Instagram. It's running with Moxie as her handle. And it was just such a great um, morning, great weather, great people sharing all the miles, doing all the things. So it doesn't really get any better than that, in my opinion. Absolutely not. Yeah, I I saw the lead up to that event and kind of the way that the day went for you all just from the outsider's perspective on social media, it looked like a really great time. And there's been a lot of moments over the past few months where I've been like, man, I wish I was in Colorado for this day and this day and this day. Um, because there's great running there and there's great community there as well. There is. And one thing that I thought was really, really cool from it that everyone gets to participate in it is because, uh, two elevate athletes, Jason and Hillary, really took the lead on this and they decided to create a virtual birthday run. So if you couldn't make it to Boulder on Saturday, they went out and did their own run and listened to, um, so the, the requirements are for this virtual run, we're going to extend it out to everyone. You have until the end of October. So Monday, October 31st, you can do this virtual run. The requirements are you get to run happy. Uh, you get to listen to at least one song on Taylor Swift's new album, Midnight, that came out on Friday. I love her, so it's just like perfect timing. Um, if you want to listen to the entire album, that's great too. And if you wear pink on your run, then you'll be entered in the drawing twice. So essentially what I'm doing is packaging up 
um, a swag bag of all the things that I gave out at the in-person run last weekend. And one lucky virtual runner is going to win um, Sarah's favorite things in a box. So, um, so it's a fun way to bring everyone together, bring community together and just have, you know, that positivity. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It's really well done on your part. So Great job, Sarah. Before we get into the episode and introducing our guests, would you like to thank our friends at Inside Tracker? Absolutely. So whether you run like we do, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect your Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash elevate your running. And that's insidetracker.com forward slash elevate your running. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you to Inside Tracker for supporting our podcast. We are really excited about today's episode. We have a special guest, Maddie Marr who I believe Sarah and I have both gotten connected with <laughs> through her Instagram miles with Maddie and Maddie, you just crushed a marathon in the past week or two. Um, but your elevated moment could go any direction. So before we get started and get into the episode and who you are, would you like to share your elevated moment with us? Yeah, for sure. So I think my elevated moment, I'm going to choose something that's a little bit more recent than my race, I guess. Um, Yesterday, I took some time to book a massage for my post-marathon recovery. Um, it wasn't like a massage where like you go in, you get the robe and the slippers and all that. It was more of like an athletic massage. So I was kind of screaming in pain the whole time. But um, it was just nice to take time for myself. And like I hadn't done that after my last two marathons. So when it was finished, I felt really good. Um, woke up this morning feeling good and got to go on my first run post-marathon. So that would be my elevated moment. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And we'll definitely get into the story of your most recent marathon here shortly. We actually, we didn't get to meet in person, but we both ran the Buffalo Marathon this past May. Was that your second marathon? Yes. Yep. Okay. That that was my second marathon as well. Um, and I'm about to run my third here in New York City. So um, I'll even the score again. But yeah. <laughs> before we get into the episode and and really all things running and and the thing that I think you do so well with your social media and sharing your experiences with running is really the holistic approach to it. So your elevated moment's perfect in discussing the recovery aspect. And I think we can certainly get into nutrition and how that fuels us as runners as well. Um, but would you like to just give us some background on who you are as both a person and as a runner? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess I'll start with some stuff just outside of running. Um, I guess so. I am a small town USA girl currently living in a big city in Canada. So I grew up in the Finger Lakes region of New York. 
um, really pretty region. It's close to Buffalo, kind of where we ran our race. Uh, it's like two hours south of there. Um, but yeah, now I'm living in Toronto with my fiance who I met in school because he went to school in the States. Um, I am a writer by day. So I work in marketing for a tech company in Toronto. Um, I obviously do quite a bit of writing about running as well, which is my favorite thing to write about. Um, and it's nice to have my Instagram as a space to be able to do that. Um, a few other things. I'm definitely a major foodie. The restaurant and food scene here in Toronto is like one of the best. Um, and yeah, I guess I've always been an athlete. Like I played soccer and lacrosse growing up. So I guess I like I haven't been running for my entire life competitively, um, but it's always kind of been a part of what I've done. Um, and then, yeah, I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I am an aunt to two little girls. And being an aunt is probably my favorite role of them all. So, yeah, yeah. sums it up. When we were preparing for this podcast, I I saw that you had mentioned that you were a writer and that you had a master's degree in writing. And, you know, I, I thought that was really cool. I recently have gotten into that profession as well. And in a way, I was educated in it. I uh, basically graduated college with a middle and secondary education degree in English. Um, but, you know, I didn't know if I was going to, A, leave the teaching profession, which I ultimately did. And then B, if I would continue in the space of writing. Um, and I'm really fortunate that I did. I'm fortunate that I pursued that passion. And I think it, it kind of made sense when I saw that you had that background, just because of the way that you do craft your social media content. You can tell that the information that you're putting out there, the perspectives that you're sharing are well thought out. And I think that's really refreshing with social media because oftentimes that's not the case. People don't actually think through the things that they're sharing. And, you know, many times that doesn't hold much weight. But, you know, when people connect with you on social media and they look up to what you're doing and they're looking for positivity from their day, I think it's really important that you can share the message in the way that you do. So that's really cool to see. Um, we'll definitely have to connect over your career in writing and my career in writing as well, because um, I know it's a passion that we both hold. Yeah, definitely. So tell us about where writing or excuse me, running comes into play here. Um, I know that you have a little bit of a background in running, but what really sparked the interest to do it as a passion and something that you do because you really want to every single day and that it, it provides so much for your life? Yeah, definitely. I like I said before, like I have been running my whole life. It's just been something that's been a part of my life, like even from as young as 10 years old, I would ask my parents if I could run down to the end of our road and back. And it would be like a one or two mile run. Um, and like that's not something that everyday 10 year olds are doing in their free time. But um, and then, like I said, I, I was playing lacrosse and, uh, and soccer in high school. I ended up playing lacrosse my first year of college. So running was obviously something I did in the off season. Um, but then sophomore through senior year of college, I joined the cross country team instead. And that's kind of when I first got into running competitively. Um, but even still, like when I was running in college, I hadn't fallen in love with it yet. I didn't have a passion for it yet. Um, it was like racing five to six Ks in like very grassy fields. Uh, there wasn't any music allowed, which definitely was hard for me. Music is a big part of why I love running, just being able to like get lost in it. 
Um, but yeah, like in school, I wasn't taking like the best care of my body. I just didn't reach my full potential in running until after I graduated. Um, and I know that there were a lot of people who picked up running during the pandemic. So I kind of do feel like I'm one of those like cliche pandemic runners, um, in the sense that that's when I really found my passion for it. Um, I was, I was home seven days a week, like wasn't, wasn't going anywhere. Chris, my fiance was still considered an essential worker. So he would leave every day and I was just like, okay, I need to find something to do with this free time. So ended up, you know, starting out with like three to four miles a couple of times a week was super proud of myself. And I noticed right away, like the mental benefits it gave me and like how I felt um, after, after running, after having worked a job before the pandemic that required a long commute every day and not having time for it. Um, I felt the absence of running in my life during that time. So yeah, during the pandemic, I was able to pick it back up. Um, and like very quickly, my running journey took off from there. Um, like it, it didn't take long before I was able to see like 10 miles, 13 miles, uh, 15 miles. And from there, it does kind of just get addicting and very rewarding in the sense that you just can't believe that your body is able to accomplish these things. So yeah, that's kind of how it took off. Didn't actually love it until after uh, college, but definitely in love with the process now. That's amazing, Maddie. What do you think is your favorite part of the process? Yeah, I think for me, running is like, I know, I, I think it might have been you, Sarah, that posted something similar on your story to this the other day. But it's like, if all you're after is a race consistently, like you're, you're gonna, you're gonna get burned out, like you're gonna get that that's not what running is about, like running is literally about the process. Um, and for me, it's, I can't think of another sport where you literally get free time to yourself when you're doing it. Um, I'm a solo runner. Like I just get lost in my music. I don't have anybody there with me. I don't have to make conversation during it. Um, it's just like completely free me time to think through anything that I want to work on at the moment, anything that's challenging me. Um, and so that's why it's kind of been a crutch for me. Yeah. I, I relate to that really heavily. Um, especially in this past kind of training cycle coming off of the Buffalo marathon, um, and knowing, you know, having to sign up for New York as early as I did and knowing that that was off in the distance is something that ultimately I was going to train for. And it's so funny how, you know, as life gets busier, you begin to crave certain aspects of what running provides you with. And in that moment and then the phase of life that I'm still in, like, I just wanted to run for the clarity that I get from it and for the fact that it makes my days better and it makes me a better person throughout the entirety of my day and the responsibilities that I fulfill. Um, so, you know, just completely shifting the mindset of I do this because I want to pursue faster times or better results to I do this because, you know, who I am is invested in this right now. Like this has become a part of my identity. And I think running does that to a much larger extent, honestly, than some other sports do. Yeah, for sure. Up and when we were building up until my most recent marathon, I had like a couple of crazy weeks and I was complaining about them a little bit to my mom. And she was like, well, after the marathon, you'll have more free time. Like, don't worry. And I really stressed her. I was like, running is the thing that keeps me sane. Trust me. It's, it's everything else that I want to like 
be able to take a back seat, but running is the one thing that really throughout the day keeps me sane and is my outlet. So, yeah. Well, could you maybe detail, you know, the past few months in building into this third marathon? Cause I know you've shared really well on your social media, the lessons that you learned through each of these marathon training cycles and how you've developed as a runner over the course of time. So tell us a little bit about your experience in training for your third marathon. And then if you want to get into race day and your result, you can do that as well. Definitely. Yeah. So I've stressed this on my social media a lot um, because I think it's really important, but this is my first marathon training cycle where I had a coach um, and I ran a 334 marathon um, in Buffalo. So that was May 29th. And I knew after that, that I really wanted to keep the momentum going and kind of build on my fitness and try to go for Boston. Um, it still felt like a really big goal for me because four, four minutes in running is four minutes. Like it's, it's a lot in running. Um, but I wanted to take the chance. Like I knew I wanted to hire a coach at that point just to kind of push myself out of my comfort zone a little bit uh, pace wise. Um, and I really found that to be the case in this third marathon build. Like in my other two, it was so easy to stay in my comfort zone or look at look at a pace and be like, okay, this is on the paper. This is what I'm going to do. But when you had, when I had a coach, like he was there increasing my paces each week and like telling me, okay, you're ready for the next thing. Like you're ready for the next level. And that was a total game changer. Like having someone who wasn't myself pushing me and believing in me and like helping me reach my potential. So, um, yeah, in the sense, like having a coach was scary at first because it is increased accountability for sure. Um, but it also was just totally revolutionary for, uh, the entire training cycle. Um, I think as far as like, there were some high points in my training, like definitely also some low points training for a fall marathon is never crazy easy. Cause you're training throughout the summer. Um, there's a lot going on in the summer. I know you guys have both had busy summers as well. So it wasn't always easy, I guess, to make it work. Um, but yeah, so heading into race day, the goal was pretty much A goal was a BQ, B goal was a sub 334. So that would have been a PR. Um, and my C goal was to finish the race and have fun. And like I said, when I first thought of the BQ idea, it really did feel monstrous. Like I I really wasn't sure if I could do it. And uh, my coach actually told me that he thought I could go for 325. So 325 then became the number that we were going after like for the race day for the marathon. Um, and that was going to be an average pace of 750 per mile. Um, he kept telling me like, I have confidence that you can do this. I have no doubt that you can do this, but I would still like anytime I talked about the race or thought about it, I would still always put a disclaimer on it saying like, I'm going to go for Boston, but I could miss my goal by 30 seconds or like I could miss it by four to five minutes and I have to be okay with that. Um, so yeah, I, I think like I've mentioned this before, I'm a very conservative goal setter. So I liked to have that disclaimer as kind of like a padding or like a net for me to fall back on. Um, but then obviously race day went very differently. I like, I'm still trying to process it. Um, and yeah, I have a ton to say about race day, but yeah. I guess I'll stop there for the actual like marathon builds and up to the marathon. Yeah, we'll get into race day for sure because 
the post that you made as like a, a race recap, I absolutely loved. You see uh, a lot of people on social media, which is perfectly fine. Like they'll break down their race recap miles one through six miles, you know, seven through 12, whatever. Um, I really love the way that you summed it up and the way that you explained how that day unfolded for you was something that I really related to uh, from my Buffalo marathon experience, but also, you know, what you were just discussing with the coach and kind of the confidence that a coach can instill in you. I definitely felt that uh, building for Buffalo and pursuing a goal that I didn't really think I was ready for in running a sub three hour marathon. It was always kind of like the pinnacle for me of, you know, I'll feel like I, I guess, for lack of better terms, made it when I'm able to run a sub three hour marathon, like that's the big goal. And I almost feel like accomplishing that goal in Buffalo in a way kind of has detracted from my prep for New York city, but I think it is ultimately best, but training for that marathon coming into the build and really for the greater part of that build, I did not think that I would be able to run a sub three hour marathon. I thought I would be somewhere around three Oh two, and that was fine with me. I felt like that was a really great stepping stone. It would have been a PR. And having, you know, the opportunity to be coached by Sarah. And that was my first time being coached as a runner as well. I thought it was really interesting as we kind of got towards the end of prep. And we didn't even really have to talk about it we kind of just both came to the mutual understanding that this was a legitimate possibility to run a sub three hour marathon. But then in discussing, you know, the race day plan and, and the way that the training cycle had unfolded, it was funny to hear Sarah say like, you were ready. Like I knew like there were stepping stones along the way that showed me as your coach that you could be in shape for this goal. Um, and I think that just really speaks to like, when you have a coach, when you have someone in your corner who's looking at the objective data, because as athletes, it's really easy to get caught up in the emotional side of things. It's really easy to, you know, just over celebrate the highs and then come down to the ground floor on the lows. But to have that coach there who's looking at what's actually happening and they understand that those highs and those lows are going to be a natural part of the process. It's absolutely crucial. So Sarah, thank you to you for that and the coaching that you provided. But do you have anything to add to kind of the way that experience was depicted? Um, well, you're welcome. And I absolutely love both of your shares um, about this because as a coach, it's one of the things that I love to do most about my job, or it's one of the things that I love most about what I get to do. And, you know, to be able to see someone's potential and to reiterate it to them time and time again throughout a training cycle is really special and pinpointing the why behind it and getting them excited and getting them to believe it. Um, it's a really, really cool thing. And, and Maddie, I'm really glad that you also had that experience um, because that is what I feel like coaches should do, right? When the potential is there, like, let's pull it out of the athlete because it can be extremely tough um, for an athlete to see that in themselves um, and to put themselves in an uncomfortable position um, 
to be able to find it. And that's really what it takes. Anytime you're going after a big goal, like a big Q or a big PR, um, or maybe it's even, you know, running your first marathon, you're going to be uncomfortable. If you just stay stagnant or comfortable, it's really easy just to have the same result or maybe um, shift a little bit up or maybe a little bit down from that overall time. But truly when you get uncomfortable, that's where the magic happens. Um, And that's one of the things that I love as an athlete. I get to have that with my coach and she definitely gets me in that uncomfortable state. And um, it's a really great place to be able to grow as an athlete and to continue on in this journey that we call the marathon. (laughs) So Maddie, you had mentioned the highs and lows that you discovered along the way in this third marathon prep build. Can you kind of go into more detail of maybe, you know, an example of one high and one low that you went through? And I'm sure Austin and I, as well as everyone listening can relate. Yeah, for sure. I think the high is like, it was one consecutive theme and it was like just surprising myself like each week. And that obviously had to do with the coach and like me kind of getting out of my comfort zone because I was seeing paces that I had never seen before and that I would have totally written off like before this training cycle. So I vividly remember like my first long run that I saw with a pace in like the sevens. I was like, oh my God, we're doing this. Like it's like, this is an actual possibility. That was a game changer for me. So yeah, the high was just like surprising myself. Um, I think the low points, like, like I mentioned, training for a fall marathon, summers are crazy busy. There was a lot of traveling going on. Um, I was like either, I was between like New York, Toronto, or cottage country here in Canada every single weekend. Um, so kind of figuring out different routes week by week was, was pretty tough. Um, also like a very particular low, I, it was about two months out from race day and I had noticed that I was getting, I just like didn't feel myself on my runs. I was feeling a little bit dizzy. I was feeling a little bit fatigued. I wasn't recovering uh, very, very well. So, but I, I've been iron deficient before. I knew the signs, like I knew exactly where this was leading to. Um, So I was able to go get my, my lab work done, which is obviously super important for runners. I posted about it on my page. Everybody should stay on top of it. Um, and my iron came back low. So I did have to make some like dietary changes there. I had to definitely start taking my iron supplement. Um, I didn't have a ton of time before race day to get my levels up to the most optimal that they could be, but I did have time to make some significant changes that would help. Um, and they really, really did. Like I was able to get them up within the two months time, but yeah, that was, that was pretty scary for me because I didn't want anything to hinder the progress that I had made. I was like, Oh no, what do I do now? But I got the appropriate guidance and did what I had to do. Yeah, that's absolutely crucial. And kudos to you for being able to recognize potentially what the problem was. It's really easy to get caught up in like the experience of the problem. Like you were mentioning dizziness, probably just feeling a little bit weaker than you would have liked, but to be able to actually take a step back and say, but what's actually happening? Like, why is this happening to me? And what's the solution that we can find? It's crucial. Um, and you did a great job of that. And I think it's a testament to all runners to be tr- problem solvers. Like if there's a problem out there, you don't have to be the victim of it. You can search for the answer and 
sometimes it does take some trial and error to truly problem solve and find a solution for it. But that's part of the process that we continue to talk about. So awesome job there. And I think it's a big reason that you were able to successfully arrive to race day. I want to quote your race recap post really quickly, and then I'll kind of let you run with this idea because I think it's an extremely important topic to discuss, especially for anyone who is racing for faster times and stronger races and better results. And it's a feeling that I really heavily related to from my experience in Buffalo. So you said, in fear of oversimplifying the marathon, I'll say this, it is rare to feel good for 26.2 miles straight. In an attempt to inspire others to take a chance on themselves, fuel a lot and train hard. I'll say that it is possible. I absolutely love that. So would you like to run with that idea? Yeah, definitely. So I, I put this in my race recap. Like it was super hard for me to write a race recap that did not make the marathon sound like this effortless, like 26.2 mile run. Um, it's, that's not what it is. Um, and like, I know we're going to get into social media, um, but I always do try my best to keep it real on my page and I never want to steer anyone in the wrong direction. Um, so I didn't want to write a recap that made the marathon feel or look effortless. Um, so even though like for the majority of my race, it, it actually did. And I'm glad to hear that your, your experience in Buffalo was similar because it means that it's not a fluke. Like other people experience this too. Like there is something to be said for putting in the work and the, sometimes the stars do align on race day. Um, but I think like the first part of the quote, like pretty much just gets at the fact that the marathon is hard. And we all know that, like non-runners know that, runners know that, the entire world knows that. Like there's enough people talking about how hard the marathon is. Um, and obviously like when race day comes around, you don't know what it's gonna hand you. Um, it doesn't matter how perfect of a training cycle you've had. It doesn't matter if you've done everything right. I always say you either have it on race day or you don't. Um, so that's kind of what the first part of the quote gets at, but I I really don't think there are enough people out there like talking about the fact that you can actually feel good while racing or like the stars can align on race day or things can go right. Um, I think for a large portion of the beginning of my running journey, I always had the mentality like, but what if it goes wrong? Um, and I kind of just want to use my page to steer people in the direction of like, but what if it goes right? Because I was not that runner. Like I never thought about that. I told you before this race, I was preparing myself to come in at 331, 332, 333 and miss my goal. Like I was not expecting uh, anything to go right because I don't think that there are actually enough people talking about the fact that it can go right. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what I wanted to get at with the quote. Like I just want to humanize the marathon a little bit. Um, and kind of inspire people that it's something that anybody can go after and excel at if they put in the work. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely a great perspective. Um, my experience in Buffalo was was kind of like, all right, I know I'm going to feel good for the first, you know, X amount of miles. And it's really just about, you know, being true to the pace. I always say you can't outrun your fitness level. But the thing about that is, for you to say that you can't outrun your fitness level, it requires that you understand your fitness level, which we've already kind of talked about 
that the athlete's perspective can sometimes be a little bit jaded. You might not know. You might think you're faster than you are, or you might think that you need to run slower than you actually should be running. So, you know, from that perspective, it's, it's really big to have someone in your corner, like we mentioned with a coach who can help you establish a good race plan. But then when you're in that race plan and you're running mile by mile, to have the thoughts go through your head of like, okay, how do I feel? I remember at like mile eight of the Buffalo marathon, a few thoughts were coming in my head. Number one, all in all, I feel great. Number two, there's some more Hills on this course than I thought there were going to be. And then <laughs> number three, I was like, okay, how do my legs feel? Because I know my lungs are good for this, but like, you know, I can't have a cramp come up to my quad. I can't have any issues that at mile 18, like, I'm falling off of the pace that I want to meet. And I think it's a big fear. And this is really just a unique part of endurance events is that what you do miles one through, we can just call it like 13, just split it in half. Like what you do in those miles is going to impact in a major way what happens later on in the race. And as I was running, I'm like, okay, you feel great right now. Let's see how it turns out when you get to the later stages of the race. And, you know, I've said many times, it was just a mile by mile statement to myself that I am in shape for this. And you really don't know until race day. And, and that is the beauty of racing. I think that we love running for many reasons beyond racing, but there's nothing more empowering than the feeling that you get from that. And I think the question that I'm going to pass off to Sarah from the coach's perspective is like, what does that look like for the coach to be able to say that they are in shape for this type of race? Because, you know, sometimes for the athlete, you just, you, you know, say, I'm going to figure it out on race day. We're going to see what kind of shape I'm in. But the truth of the matter is if there's not strategy behind the way that you're running a distance like the marathon, then you might not reach your full potential. So Sarah, what do you yeah. think? Absolutely. It's um, from a coach's perspective. I mean, there's definitely the workouts in the long runs tell a lot, right? Um, the easy days get to just build that endurance machine um, and how athletes respond in workouts, how they respond in long runs, whether they execute the way that they should or want to, or maybe it falls apart. That says a lot. And over the course of a training cycle, there are things that are built within the workouts and the long runs to also test the mental side, because we all know that at some point in the race, and it's going to be different for everyone, you have to go into more of the mind than in the body to get it done. And if you can start preparing the athlete in training to do that, um, then they are set up for success on race day or have more tools in their toolbox that day to be able to rely on, um, to be able to make it across the finish line and hit their A goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great perspective. And Maddie, you mentioned, you know, earlier on when you were discussing your buildup for this marathon, that like when you saw that seven on your watch, as opposed to an eight in the pace section, you know, after a long run, that was a testament to you that maybe I'm ready. And I, I can definitely relate to that. Because I think it's one thing to, you know, we've talked about overrunning your workouts and I've fallen victim to this before and I probably still do like once a week, but to overrun your workout 
and to see like a different pace on your watch is great. But at the same time, you know how you felt. You can't fool yourself to say that you didn't just kill yourself out there. But to be able to run, and I think long runs are a great example of this, to be able to run a long run and to hopefully feel like you could have kept going at that pace is perhaps the greatest indicator I know from the athlete's perspective to say that, oh man, like it might be there towards this goal that I have. So, you know, I think that's a, that's a great perspective, both from the coach and for the athlete. And Maddie, I do want to toss it over to you. Sarah was mentioning the mental side of things. Would you like to kind of walk us through what was going through your mind during that race? And you can use that to kind of tell the story of how this race unfolded for you. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, like I said, before the race, I was, I spent weeks preparing myself to come in after my goal and like mentally preparing, like how I was going to react to that. I knew I had to be okay with it. So that's what I was walking myself through. So when I started the race, I fully did not expect to have it on race day. I was like, I love, I was literally shocked. Um, I will say that the splits my coach laid out for me were for miles one through six, we were trying to stay at an eight minute pace. Um, miles seven through 20, we were trying to stay between 740 and 750. And for miles 21 till the end, it was whatever I had left, like whatever I could give. Um, so mentally, when I started out in the 740 range and felt really good, I literally could only think of this is way too fast. Like I need to slow down. I need to pull back. If my coach is watching my splits right now, he is like literally jumping out of his seat, like telling me to slow down. He was actually in the air, like flying from London uh, back to the US during the race. So I don't even know if he was tracking me, but if he was, he was definitely not happy with me from miles one through six. But then I think like, it was kind of like how you explained it in Buffalo. Like something came over me and I was like, okay, I feel good. Like, and it's almost that I knew I felt good enough to keep going. Um, I said this in a Q and a, a couple of days ago, I think part of being a really mature runner or like growing as a runner is kind of being able to read how a run's going to go early on. Um, and I'm not saying that that's always the case, but something in my mind told me that I was going to be able to do it that day. So I think from like, I did try to hold myself back at least until mile 12. Um, once again, this course was advertised as flat. It was not a flat course. There were <laughs> literally about four that. miles. I know. And, and you know what? I read the race reviews beforehand and everyone was like, please stop advertising this race is flat. So I kind of went in knowing that it wasn't going to be flat. But um, yeah, there were about four miles of rolling hills in the middle and once I got past those, I just let myself fly. I was like, if I got past the rolling hills and like where, where they were, um, then I, then I'm okay right now. And the hills is like where I ended up taking the lead in female runners too, which that's a whole different story, but I didn't even know why I had a bike escort for four miles. And then at one point, Chris, uh, he was cheering me on and he said, don't chase the bike. Like you're setting the pace for the bike. Don't chase her. Um, so it was kind of, and I was like, what do you mean? I'm setting the pace for the bike. And then it clicked. I was like, okay, she's literally pacing me. Um, but yeah, the bike escort was really cool. It, it gave me total peace of mind 
because the race was very small. Um, hence why a 316 was like the first female athlete coming through the tape. But it was a small race. Um, and I was worried beforehand that I was going to be alone for most of it. So having that bike there and like having someone turn around to check on me every 30 seconds was like, okay, I'm not alone here. Like I can do this. So yeah, I think that was a huge mental push. Um, and then I'm just trying to work through mile by mile, but once it got to a certain point, like once it got to mile 20, I hardly remember anything. I was like, it's like my legs were just, it was like I was flying almost. And I just like almost couldn't feel the pain. Like I was fueling so well. There are just so many things that I would attribute the success of the day to. Um, but yeah, it's still a lot to process right now for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know there's definitely a lot of, you know, reasons that you were successful on that day. Um, and I know you mentioned Chris, who is your fiance. And it is really cool to see how you document the support that you get from him in your running. Um, and I remember, would you like to share what you texted him when you were getting close to the finish line? Sure. I, I don't want this podcast yeah, yeah. to have to have an explicit warning next to it. So <laughs> I'll say um, we're going to beat Boston. And I texted him that at mile 26. And he texted me back something that also included a beep. So I won't even share his response. <laughs> but he said he read it out loud to like his family who was there, my family, my friends that were there watching, and everyone just went absolutely wild. Like it, it actually didn't set in until I crossed the 26 mile mark. So I didn't let myself text him that until I crossed it. But at that point, I knew it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just such a cool story because you know, I, I know that that support is absolutely huge and we'll get into the social media mm -hmm. side of things here in a few moments. Um, and I think that social media can be a great place to get support from. It can be a great place to, you know, learn information from build confidence through. We'll get into that here in a second. Before we do though, I know you're a really big advocate of fueling and you just attributed that to some of the success that you had um, on race day, and I'm sure throughout your training as well. Could you just take a few moments to kind of speak about fueling and understanding that our fueling approaches are unique to us. And that's something that I'm sure you've developed over your first three marathon training cycles. I know that it's something that I continue to learn from and try to continue to refine, but ultimately fuel in the distance of a marathon or these longer endurance races even under the distance of a marathon is extremely important. Our bodies need it. Our bodies thrive off of the ability to have fuel coming in, especially if we're going to perform to the best of our abilities, which you certainly did. So would you like to speak about fueling a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I, I'm for sure a huge advocate for it. I, as I grow as a runner, I almost view my relationship with running as reciprocal. Like I put into my body certain fuel and certain things that make it feel really good. And I try and take care of my body as much as I possibly can so that it can perform for me. And I know that without the fuel and like without the fueling strategy that I have trained my body to be able to accept that my, my body wouldn't be able to perform the way it does. So I know that everyone's fueling strategy is different, like you mentioned. Um, and it does take a long time to train your body to be able to accept a lot of fuel over the course of a marathon. Um, but my strategy was every 30 minutes on, 
on the second. Um, so that ended up being five gels throughout the marathon and two full granola bars, which a lot of people laugh at, but I, I don't know how I can do it. You know, I do think that I have a tough stomach compared to like, even just in general outside of running, like I can pretty much eat anything and be totally fine. But yeah, at mile 10 and at mile 20, I housed two granola bars and it was a game changer. <laughs> That's amazing. I know so many races have like, you know, maybe a half of a banana or orange slices. Um, and I love that you're just like going at it with granola bars because yeah. whatever works, I mean, we're all so different, right? But if that is what works for you, like amazing, stick with that. Um, I would love to know, like what gels do you kind of lean into when you are racing? Yeah. So I use Huma. I don't know if it's Huma or Huma. Oh, yeah. yeah That's great. I'm not exactly sure, but I, yeah, some of them have caffeine. Um, I try to time like my caffeine ones earlier on. Um, some of them have electrolytes. So I took two electrolytes ones, uh, during the race, but I really, really like them. They, they sit really well in my stomach. So yeah, they're great. How have you seen the shift change from your first marathon to your third marathon? Were you using and doing the exact same fueling program for first, second, and third, or have you kind of transitioned and grown in that area as you've grown in the sport of marathoning? I would say I've definitely grown because with fuel, it's all trial and error. Like there are so many yeah. different gel brands out there and you really have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. I didn't try the granola bars until this training cycle, for example. So when it's just yeah. 20, 26 miles of straight goo, it's, it, I, I didn't like it. Like I didn't enjoy it. Um, I definitely yeah. wasn't fueling as much in my first marathon, like maybe closer to once every 45 to 50 minutes. Um, but I really learned that like my body requires quite a bit to keep going. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. I, I recently ran, uh, the Chicago marathon and I went through that same process with this training cycle of, okay, let's add more and see what happens. And I showed up feeling so strong and so fast and so good for most of that race. And I know a lot of it, a lot of it's training, right. And showing up getting your workouts in, getting the long runs in, being consistent. And when you're also giving your body what it needs, you're unstoppable in so many ways. And it gives you that runway to like, feel like you can fly for the last 10 K, even when you, you know, your legs are starting to fatigue because you have the power um, to do it. So I know there's a lot of stigma around runners and eating and, maybe not feeling as much because they feel like it might upset their stomach or they have their own reasons, but invitation to everyone listening to just try a little bit more. The stomach is trainable, which is one of the best things. And you get to play around with it and figure out what works best for you. And like Austin said, everyone is so different. Um, I have a quick question before Austin asks his next one. I'm wondering, so I know you ran a three, you ran a three sixteen. And if you started out at 740, 745 pace, I can kind of, I know probably how fast you were running in the last 10 K. Um, so you're probably between like seven, seven fifteen, maybe in the last 10 K. How did you manage to pull your phone out and text your fiance? That's what I'd like to know. Oh my gosh. Someone asked me this the other day. I, 
I text while I'm running like frequently and that's probably not a good thing because I feel like it's like texting (laughs) while driving but like it's like you're operating yourself like you're the vehicle but uh, I will say my phone was very accessible. Like I had it right in my front pocket um, nice. of like my belt. So I kept it pretty accessible. I had a ton of typos the first time I, t- I typed out the text <laughs> message. So I kept having to like delete it and retype it, delete it, retype it. Cause I wanted it to be like that dramatic effect <laughs> um, with no typos. <laughs> I feel like it could have been dramatic either way, you know, <laughs> like that's true. No, that's great. Congratulations on a BQ. It's amazing. Thank you. Maddie, if you're anything like me, um, you know, as a writer, you're probably looking to add the punctuation in the right places and everything like that. I cannot, I cannot send a text that has improper punctuation or anything. So I, I would have probably lost my mind in that moment. Um, but at the same time, in the same breath, I guess I'll say, uh, voice to text or talk to text probably would have been even more inefficient. So you, you were smart to, to try and type it out. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, absolutely. An, an amazing <laughs> race. I was so happy for you to see that you just continue to build on the results of previous races and training cycles. And, and you continue to share that on social media, um, through your account miles with Maddie. And I think you do so in such a great way that it's accessible for runners of all ability levels and it's just so welcoming and that that in and of itself is really refreshing to see um because ultimately running and just pushing ourselves to be better should be extremely inclusive like it should be open and accessible to everybody and i love that that is something that you spread through your social media account Um, would you like to kind of just like take us back to starting that account? What inspired, um, the beginning of that and really what it's looked like in growing that, whether it was on purpose or whether it just happened. Yeah. So I started the, the account, um, October 12th, 2021. So for reference, I ran my first marathon, October 3rd, 2021. And like, after that, I pretty much knew I totally caught the bug. I was like, I'm in this running game for the long haul. I want a space to be able to post my running pictures and to be able to look back on my running content. Um, So I started the account at first. It was more so for the fact that I didn't want to annoy my followers on my personal account anymore with all the running content I was posting. Um, So yeah, I literally wrote on a story, like I'm making this new account follow if you care about running content and then it, I very quickly like realized the power of the running community, even virtually, like even through Instagram. And I know you both had had running pages like well before that. I couldn't believe it. Like people being able to connect with runners is something that I had never done before. And I felt the impact of it even just through like online social media. Um, so that's like a large part of why I still love absolutely having the page. Um, but then when I realized that the page was actually like gaining traction, um, and I could actually use my own page to make an impact on other people's lives, that's when I really started caring about like the content that I I was going to house on my page, how I worded things, um, how I was going to speak and think about running and impact the way that others do the same. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I may ask you to kind of like talk about what potentially sparked the growth of that. But I do think it is really cool before I do that 
to acknowledge the fact that you saw the growth and you saw it as a privilege. And, you know, sometimes like seeing that and maybe not understanding like what's happening in the moment of, you know, why are so many people following me? Why are people reaching out? Um, you know, I know because I've felt it before that imposter syndrome can be a real thing, but also understanding that you are who you are and that in and of itself is extremely unique and special and people are following you for you. And they want to know who you are as a person, not who you feel like you need to represent yourself through social media. That's just been some lessons that I've kind of picked up um, in really like establishing connections through social media and embracing those connections as legitimate friendships, which can be a hard thing to do when you only know someone virtually. But to understand that the person on the other side of that account is real they are there you can meet in person you can be friends you can connect and that's a really powerful thing to embrace so really cool to see that you did that and you know i just kind of love to get your take on that because i'm sure that you have a lot of people who reach out for running advice i know you mentioned you did a q a a few days ago um and you know i saw the questions that came in and they were great questions they were people who just wanted your perspective, like the perspective of, you know, who you are as a person. So what do you feel about, you know, kind of how that has evolved with your social media? Yeah, I think you're you're spot on when you say imposter syndrome. Like at first I was like, there's no way these people are asking me of all people like these questions. There's no way they're coming to me. Um, and like, even, even yesterday, like I had a message from someone, the sweetest message ever telling me, that they thought of me their whole mar- their whole half marathon and they got this massive PR. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like, that's the reason why I want to keep posting these things. Um, obviously social media has its ups and it has its downs. And I, I will say like, it's not even always the easiest. Like I, it's not always easiest to keep up with. Like I have a full-time job. I don't, I, you know, this is just something that I do on the side. Um, but yeah, so getting those messages and just like, once I realized that I was actually having an impact on people's lives, I think it was a really pivotal moment for me. Um, I also considered it a space where I could now combine my passion for writing um, and my passion for words and content with my passion for running to literally inspire like tons of people. Um, So yeah, I put a lot of thought into everything that goes on my page, but at the end of the day, I think the biggest driving factor is just being real and being authentic. And like, I have even my friends tell me that, like when they look at my page, it's the most me thing that they can think of it. Like that is really who I am in real life. So that makes me feel really good. Like I'm not out here trying to be someone that, that I'm actually not. And I know that there's a lot of downsides on social media because that can happen. Um, but yeah, being authentic, being real, inspiring others, like that's the name of my game for yeah. for my page. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, when you're texting with somebody, whether it be through actual text or whether you're DMing through social media, it's really easy to not hold that, hold the same weight over that as you might if someone were standing right in front of you. But the reality is that nowadays it's basically the same thing because we have more interactions in a lot of cases virtually than we do in person. So to find that attention to detail and to understand that words matter, 
Like words are absolutely crucial. And some little thing that you may say, you know, can have an impact on somebody that you may have never thought it would. Like it can, it can change their perspective in that day and then result in actions that they take. And I think your social media is a really great example of that because the words that you share and they're extremely well-crafted and thoughtful, they are meant to empower people. They're meant to push people to find the greatest version of themselves. And like I mentioned earlier, it's an inclusive thing that we're looking to do here. That's what we, Sarah and I hope to do in starting this podcast is we wanted to build a community. We wanted to find people who loved running, but we also knew that it's a lot bigger than running. Like we don't just run because running looks cool. We run because running makes us better people and running allows us to connect with people who also want to be better people. And that's what we're looking to do with this podcast, with social media and with the connections that we're building. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I definitely agree. And I think uh, like, like you said, like the running community online in person, like it's a, it's a really great place to be. And it's, it's a, it's a good place to be when it's made up of, of good people. Um, and I think the majority of the running community online, at least I have felt is really positive and, and really powerful. Like there are not many people on there trying to bring other people down, which is part of the reason why I love it so much. Yeah. I think one thing that I will ask you um, to maybe discuss, because I think it's an important conversation is like the downsides of social media, because they are inevitable. They are there. Um, you know, I think no matter how, you know, well accustomed you try to become to social media and to just the amount of perspectives that are so readily accessible, we still all find ourselves having, you know, the negative resulting feelings from it. So in your growth of, you know, your account and just in continuing to share content on social media, what does it look like in dealing with some of maybe the the detriments of social media? For sure. Yeah, I think this is particularly crucial when you have a page related to fitness of any sort or, or a page related to self growth to self growth. Um, but the comparison game is really easy to get caught up in. Um, and I was injured for a little while after starting my Instagram. So I was not running from like November to January, like November, 2021 to January, 2022. And even I got caught up in the comparison game during that time. Like, oh my gosh, look at all these people doing really cool things. And I'm not out there doing cool things. So I don't have the content to produce. Um, and I don't have the stats on Strava. And like, that can be easy to get caught up on, to get caught up in. But I think I make, because I know what it feels like, I make a very conscious effort to avoid that, like on my page at all costs. Um, for example, like I never try to use like words like fast or slow or any type of word like that when I'm, when people are asking me for my thoughts on running or when I'm trying to describe a pace or an effort, um, because I realize that those are relative words and like being a runner has nothing to do with pace at all. So that's just like one example of something that I try to do to avoid it and to help others um, just kind of be where they are in their own journey. Um, you're, the human body is not meant to just like scroll on a phone all day and take in everyone else's life. You know, it's, it's not, it's not human. It's not natural. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the perspective that I try to come back to, 
a lot of the time is like your body is an instrument, not an ornament. And I find that really powerful mm. because it really shapes the perspective of what can I get out of my body, my mm. body alone? Like what, cause you have to acknowledge what your body is doing for you and not continue to just try to beat it down at the expense of like sharing a new PR or trying to keep up with what you're seeing, you know, in the external and in, in the social media side of things. So just to understand, like to bring the attention to yourself and say, what can I, number one, do for my body? That's a really big piece when we talk about nutrition and recovery, which we've hit out in this podcast, but also like I'm going to provide for my body because my body provides so much for me. And that's really something that I am continually reminded of in running is that my body's giving me a lot right now. My body's allowing me to run marathons. Like I'm, I get to go run the New York city marathon here in two weeks, Sarah, you're my, you're my, uh, you're my day counter as oh. far as how long I have until a race. A week and a half. A week and a half. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> New York city marathon, a week and a half. Am I going to show up as my fastest self? Chances are no. But guess what? My body's going to allow me to show up and experience an amazing course of 26.2 miles through New York City with like 50,000 people. How many things in life allow us to do that? Our bodies provide these opportunities for us, no matter what the clock says when we finish the race. And that's just a place that I go back to a lot when I consider, you know, being influenced by what's happening outside of my daily life is it's like, yeah, but I have to look inward and I have to really understand that my body is either having things provided for it, or am I just continually taking am I continually draining the bank and there's nothing left to take from it. I have to allow it to be a perspective shifter in that way. Definitely. Austin, I, I, love that you're running New York City for fun and going out there with the get to attitude and just going out there and having fun and enjoying it and taking it all in because at the end of the day we do get to do this and the marathon half marathon 10k 5k like it's not guaranteed and it's something that um is a gift and we shouldn't take it for granted and especially on, I would say those races where everything does kind of fall into place and really lean into it and give it your all because those races don't come around every single time. But I know Maddie, you talked about earlier in this episode, like if you do the hard work and the training and properly plan, you're setting yourself up to have a greater chance to have a day like that. And that's something that's really special. Um, well, Maddie, I'd love to know what is your advice for someone that's like new to running or maybe someone that's like struggling to identify with themselves as a runner. I think we've all been there, that imposter syndrome. Um, what would your advice be to them? For sure. So I had this conversation with someone else recently. And the thing that I always say to people, if they're like, well, like I, I go on runs here and there, but I'm not an actual runner. Like, because I, I don't run marathons or because I don't run a certain distance or I don't run a certain pace. And like, 
My answer is always that running is a movement. Like it literally refers to a movement that the human body does. It has nothing to do with pace. It has nothing to do with where you're running, how far you're running, uh, your form. None of that matters. It's literally just a forward movement. Um, so then when I was talking with this person, I went and looked up the definition and it literally says moving at a speed, like faster than a walk, like never having both feet on the ground at the same time. So if you're doing that movement, you are a runner. Um, and that is definitely something that I try to embody on my page and get across to people on my page. Um, and then I guess for people who are new to running, which I also have people telling me all the time, I absolutely hate running. I don't know how you do it. I tell them to slow down and go a little farther because a lot of people tell me that they hate running after they like push themselves for their town's local 5k, like way out of their comfort zone. They just go like run super fast. And then they're like, I never want to do that again. That was terrible. Um, but I guess like slowing down just allows yourself to like take in what's around you, find the enjoyment in the action. Um, and I guess like the slower you go at first, the farther your body can go. So that, that, that was really rewarding for me to see when I started my running journey. It's just like seeing the pace, seeing like how far I could go if I actually slowed my body down and enjoyed it. Yeah, that's so cool. I try to remind myself of that. Yeah quite often where it's like, why don't you just slow down? Like you're choosing to be out here today. Why are you trying to rush through this run? Why are you trying to rush through this moment of your day? Because there's a lot of amazing things that running allows us to see and feel. And I mean, just like the amount of amazing sunrises or the amount of amazing sunsets that you can see by getting out there. And maybe it just starts by going on a walk. And then maybe you're doing some walk running. And then maybe you're deciding to sign up for a race. These things like it's a staircase and you can climb that staircase, but you don't have to like leap to the very top in one moment. And and there's no single step that says, okay, once you hit this step, you're a runner. But there is also power in just accepting the fact that, hey, I think I'm enjoying this. I think this is something I want to continue doing. Say it, like name it, name it that you are a runner, name it that you are going on a run. I remember- when I first got into running, I, it just felt very uncomfortable for me to tell anybody I was going on a run. I don't know why. I, I don't know if it was like, I felt like they were going to paint a picture of what I was trying to be. And I wasn't that thing yet, but I just remember like, I would just go and they'd be like, where'd you go? I'm like, went on a walk. Like, why are you sweating so much? Well, I was running. Like, it, it's just, there's certain little things that you have to overcome but just to go out there and say, I am a runner. I am going on a run. This is something that I enjoy doing. It allows you to adopt that. And I think that being able to adopt something as a part of who you are in a healthy way is really freeing. And it really allows you to then continually progress in that area, which is really gratifying and just expands into many other areas of your life. So, you know, we, we really appreciate you sharing everything that you've shared today. Before we do close out, you know, you just ran a 316 marathon, you've continued to run stronger and run faster and, and just develop over the course of your three marathons. You know, do you know what's next? Do you know what you hope to do over the next year? I know that you have a wedding in like the next 12 months, correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, life certainly has a lot to play in how we set goals and decide what we want next. But 
What do you foresee for your future? Yeah, so I I did originally tell a lot of people that I was done running marathons until after the wedding and that I would start training for Boston, which would be in 2024 after the wedding, which is October 7th, 2023. Um, but I, I do like still have the drive and the itch to run a marathon. And I don't think it'd be a bad idea for me to at least stay in decent shape over the next year so that I'm not just like jumping into training after a wedding and honeymoon. Um, so I think I'm going to do something similar to like, maybe have a mindset shift. Like if I run a marathon in 2023, it's not going to be a PR. It's not going to be, it might not even be a BQ. And I, I am totally okay with that. Like I want to go run for the pure enjoyment of running, especially if I tackle the, the marathon distance again. Um, other than that, definitely would like to try some 10 Ks and get a half on the calendar as well, just because I feel like the training for that is, it's still intense, but it's like relatively lower intensity. But yeah, I think I'm just going to see what happens, run for fun until the end of the year. And we'll see about next year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I definitely recommend like, don't be afraid to sign up for a marathon just because you know, it won't be an ideal training cycle for you. But at the same time, like the marathon is not the end all be all. And I think that's a really easy trap to fall into when you run a certain distance and, you know, it, it may have been an amazing experience for you, but that doesn't mean that you can't get amazing training and just a ton of fun out of racing a 5k, a 10k or a half marathon. Um, you know, the, the marathon will always be there for you whenever you want to come back to it. It's just really about continuing to run for the enjoyment of running. And we know that you'll do that. Um, and we know that you'll continue to share everything, you know, as far as running and perspectives through your social media. So would you like to share with our audience where they can connect with you on social media? Yes. So for now, I'm primarily on Instagram. It is at miles with Maddie. Maddie is M A D D I E. Awesome. And, uh, you can connect with me on Instagram at Austin Myers 12. And Sarah, would you like to close us out by sharing where they can connect with you and the elevate your running brand? Absolutely. Sarah S A Y R A H runs happy and at elevate your running both Instagram and Twitter. Thank you, Maddie, so much for being our guest today. This was a great conversation and congratulations on an awesome marathon uh prep build and execution and have fun in this downtime yeah thank you both so much austin good luck at your upcoming race and sarah congratulations on uh chicago as well you had an amazing race and i'm excited to see what's next for you as well thanks bye everyone see you next week <laughs>